Hey everyone, I'm Matt. And I'm Steven. And you're listening to Code Talk with Matt and Steven. Where we sit around chatting about code and stuff. Ah, welcome to episode eight. Uh, we have a guest on the show today, Craig Davis, one of my coworkers and good buddies from Help Scout. Um, welcome, Craig. Good morning. Um, so today we're gonna we're kind of we have a topic that we're gonna just ramble on about, but uh, we'll see where it leads us. Um, I tend to ramble on and complain to Craig a lot, so this might be an open forum for him to kind of uh, come back to me and do the same. So. Uh, you're the guest. You can do whatever you'd like to do. But um, so we're going to start out and talking about source control as conversation. Craig, you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, this has kind of been a hot, hot button topic with me lately. Just, just because it's been it's been on my mind again. Um, I've been maintaining some old source code from uh, an open source project that I worked on a long time ago, and. A few of the decisions I made then have kind of uh, have come back <laughs> and has really made me think about source control uh, in a bit of a different way. And I think it's worth talking about. And the general idea is that source, contr source control is conversation, that it is not a backup medium. It's not for just stashing things. It's a communication tool for you and your teammates and for your future self. And <clears throat> that the source control should really tell a cohesive story as you uh, are moving forward. And we, I can kind of talk about a few pieces of this um, wherever you guys want to start. Does that, does that sort of get us started in the right direction? Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. Yeah. So, so um, source control as conversation, right? You, like I was, I wasn't with you until you got to uh, the part where you talked about it being, you know, for your future self. Um, and I can think of there are plenty of times where I've gone back and looked at my commits, you know, trying to see why I did something. Um, and I know I'm guilty of it, right? There are certain times where you you just put in a quick, you know, single line commit and then you're done, right? You don't actually explain. The reasons That's, behind it. You're like, fixed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and and yeah. you can come into a project. Let's say that, uh, you know, that, that you are doing maintenance on a project that you were not the original author of. And mm -hmm. you open it up and you know that a bug happened, uh, a bug started happening, uh, let's say, three months ago. And so you go look at the logs, the, the git commit logs from three months ago, and you see... Uh, fixed bug, uh, updated driver, uh, fixed you know fixed bug. Well, that really doesn't tell you a whole lot. But in terms of getting to the source of the problem quickly, if the developer had taken an extra what does it take 15 seconds to type uh, fixed bug in uh, let's say fixed bug in online signup template, and the next one said uh, updated, uh, you know, updated database driver to, you know, version four because of X. And the next one said, uh, you know, replaced uh, caching driver, you know, with something else. 
and you quickly scan those and say, oh, that's related to what I'm working on. Open it up. And then you've got a paragraph, or let's say three sentences, another 20 seconds of typing, uh, that says a brief background of why this change was made, right? Uh, we were running into problems with AWS uh, throttling, and so we upgraded to this because it has a you know a better back off algorithm that will you know that will post less frequently. Um, and you've in let's say in an extra minute of typing, 30 seconds of typing, you've just given your future self this incredible gift of this story that you've told about why this cohesive change, right? Like we're bundling this up into a little commit and we're going to bring it into our source code and that is gonna live with us for maybe another decade. Uh, we've just given ourselves this little present, right? Of being able to quickly look back through history and, <clears throat> and see exactly what we did and why. And I think when we talk about conversation, the other part of it is that it's kind of an announcement that we make to our team members. Let's say that, uh, you know, I sort of like to think about what it would be like to read my commit messages as a RSS feed. Uh, you, and whether it, they would tell a cohesive story about what's going on, right? Like, if you just looked at my commit messages, would you know what Craig was working on? Would it be fix bug? Or would it be, uh, you know, updated Amazon AWS driver for better redundancy or, or something? Does that, does that sound familiar? Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, that sounds familiar. Um, I mean, I know I'm totally guilty of that. I tend to put like a short descriptor uh, in the in the. You know, I used to leave a lot of detail in in the actual body of the commit itself, but. Um, you know, now I just kind of do like the single liner and then I let the code change it, right? The diffs be the, you know, kind of description. But then even that, right, you have to go back and you have to kind of like, if it's your own, you know, commit, right, you have to sit there and think about what was this. You have to kind of walk through and try to remember things. If it's someone else's, it doesn't do you any good, right? Because you have to then try to get in their head and understand what was going on and why. You may not fully understand the problem because there's no backstory, right? There's no context. Right. And I, I really just assume that I will remember nothing in six months. Um, that uh, I, I just assume that, uh, that if in a large code base, if I make a change for some particular maintenance task, uh, that unless, unless I somehow capture the why very clearly in the code, um, then I think that you you have to explain what's going on um, so that you know what uh, so you know what you did and why and you know back to your your thing about about uh, making the change visible in the code I absolutely think that that that's important you know you can uh, you know we all say naming is hard and you know, if in my instance of, you know, AWS problems, you know, you could name a variable, uh, you know, AWS back off rate or, uh, you know, AWS maximum retries um, rather than just calling it retry limit. And it kind of gives you some clue that there's a, 
you know that 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 variable is is there for for a specific reason related to some problem you've had, right? That becomes part of the story. Um, but if you've got this beautifully named variable, and then you know along with it, when you're looking back in time, you've just got a commit message of fix bug. You kind of you haven't given yourself a whole lot to go on, and so I really look at it as an investment of, you know, what, let's say that you type 10 commit messages a day and it takes you an extra 10 minutes. Uh, what kind of time savings is your future self looking at, right? Like, okay, if you never see that message again, what have you cost yourself? A minute, a message maybe, 10 minutes during the day. Uh, you know, now I know you, that might add up to almost an hour a week, I understand. Um, but uh, all you have to do is save yourself an hour of bug hunting occasionally, two hours of bug hunting, and it's an investment that was worthwhile. Um, I was going to say, um, I use, uh, and I know a lot of people do, I use Jira and I use Bitbucket. And something to kind of go along with, like, kind of the way uh, we do commits in our workflow um, is that Jira's, uh, well, Bitbucket. Bitbucket is great if you put your Jira, like, um, I guess, task number in there. So let's say you have your prefix, like, SP-535. you know So a lot of times what I'll do is on a commit message or a quick commit, I will actually put, like, the actual task number, a colon, and then write my commit message. And what's great about using Jira with Bitbucket is that you automatically have a link back to all the history in Jira for, for that particular problem. Um, and it's, it's a really cool way of kind of keeping track. And, uh, I'm also a big fan of rebasing, the uh, interactive rebasing. So, you know, you have a hot fix branch or you have feature branch. I'm a big fan of just, you know, working through making all my minor commits. Uh, and at the very end, when I'm ready to kind of release that, I'll go ahead and do an interactive, you know, rebase, put all my, you know, all of my commits together, put all the different tasks, you know, from Jira that they apply to. And then I had this one commit in this one piece of history that it really is for, for that whole, you know, uh, that whole bit of, you know, all the changes that I made to, to make that happen. And I like that a lot for two reasons. One is that it puts everything together. So usually you'll do a pull request that you can actually go and visit and you can see all the code that had changed at that point. So you're only seeing, you know, those items for that specific, you know, task or whatever. Um, and then you also have all that history from, you know, something like Jira, where you can just go and, and kind of review all the comments and, and back and forth to get to that point. Absolutely. I, I've always been a big, big fan of fog bugs uh, because you can, you can manipulate the, uh, your bug tracking system from your commit messages, right? Mm -hmm. you, can, you can close out a particular bug uh, with you know, with a note in the commit message and you can capture all of that, all of that history, right? Like you can get from a commit message to the email that the customer sent with yeah. the first report of the bug, right? Like, and uh, in theory, you know, as long as you haven't changed systems and lost all of that really valuable info, you know, three years from now, you could potentially get from a commit to the email 
that started the whole thing, right? Uh, the I wasn't able to log in on this one browser or with this one, uh, you know, set of settings. Um, and boy, to me that, uh, from a maintenance standpoint, I think that's, that's an absolutely wonderful thing. Um, and I love your comment about rebasing because I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that we as developers in the world do a real great job of, of, of separating the difference between, uh, like committing things historically versus committing things, uh, as again, as conversation, right? Like you can, you can use rebase to, let's say, uh, let's say that you're typing along and you've made 10 commits because you uh, keep you know, accumulating some changes. You can go back and uh, reorganize things a little bit, take you know, the first, the third, and the fourth, group them together, squash them, uh, and then do a little rebasing, and then each one of those commits becomes a, co a, a very cohesive thought. Mm -hmm. And you're going to bring this uh, this cohesive change in when really you might have kind of stumbled into it a little bit. Does that, does that, does, does, that, does that ring a bell? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it helps a lot with, you know, when you're going back and looking at items like, you know, you may have made those 10 commits, you know, in between, uh, you know, different tasks that you've been working on. So in the history of, of your, you know, in your Git log, all those will be kind of scattered. And then you're sitting there trying to figure out, well, I have these two commits and then I have five commits from something else. And then there's two more commits for, for the same thing. So you're sitting there searching for it all. And it's like, okay, what commits actually belong together? Right. You know, this way you can say, okay, let's go ahead and group it all. All these belong together. Let's put it in one commit so that even if, you know, the benefit of that is that if something goes wrong, you know, it works fine in staging and QA. And then you, you know, you hit production and it's a bug. And it's very right. easy to pull that right out instead of saying, oh, now I have to search through <laughs> and pick out all these right. different commits and, you know, that kind of deal. So, yeah, it really it really helps a lot. I, I, uh, I believe, you know, I'm I'm pretty about pushing multiple times. I'm pretty bold. Uh, if I'm working on something iteratively last night, I was setting up a, uh, I was setting up some Travis builds and. You know how those go. You end up making making a change, pushing it, seeing how Travis does, you know, updating some syntax that you just messed up, pushing it again, seeing how it does. Mm -hmm. And so when you're done, you might have made 20 commits to achieve just one task, which was, uh, you know, change, let's say change it so that the, the code coverage is only run on PHP 7. Uh, and... And so, you know, you could end up with a commit history that that reads uh, stuff I did to try to make this work. Yeah. <laughs> or as you go along, you can, I, I have a, co a command for git amend that just adds the current changes to the previous commit. And then, uh, and then I'll, I'll do a little force push with the plus sign uh, and really just accumulate those changes into a single commit. And then once everything works, I move on and I've left behind a commit that makes that particular change. And yes, I've gotten rid of the history of what it took took for me to get there, but I have have made it this tidy little thing that that we're now bringing into our source code. Mm -hmm. 
And I just assume that everything's going to live for a decade. And, uh, and that at some point, the little fine details of how I stumbled to it are irrelevant. What I want to do is tell a story of, of, uh, of the change. I definitely agree with you there. Um, I, oh, go ahead, Stephen. That's all right. I was going to say, I need to up my uh, Git game, man. You guys are <laughs> way beyond me. Like, I, if you look at any of my open source projects that I manage, whether that be you know, my own or, or through Help Scout, like, you'll see, you know, a lot of commits up until a, a release where it is a Travis build issue, right? It's like fixing this, trying it on Travis, and it's like, oh, shit, like, I forgot this thing. And then it's doing all that. And I'm like, I hate that because then to the public, right, it looks like you don't have your shit together because you've got all these little tiny issues that should have been lumped into one. So I'm going to need to do a little studying. You guys are just, I'm, I'm just listening. I'm learning from you guys. You're just, you're talking. And I'm just here for the ride. I, I, I do agree with you. I think, I feel like uh, CI and like DevOps kind of things are, are really bad about, you know, you can only test these by pushing them up. You know, there's only so far you can get with local testing. So yeah, you are. Uh, and I'm not afraid of a, a force push either. Uh, very careful with it, but you know, there are times where it, where it does make sense to, you know, yep. because you had to you had to get those up there, you know, in the remote repository in order to trigger all these things to happen and then make sure it actually goes through. So, yeah, things get kind of crowded really quick. Like, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, on the the topic of of source control, I can I can rant on about any number of things right down to the the verb tense that a commit message should be written in. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of this isn't particularly controversial, right? So it, it, uh, it's hard for us to have like three different opinions and then argue about it. Um, some of it is just habits I have. Um, it, uh, so what, what is the, uh, the proper tense that we should take? Well, <laughs> so <clears throat> I like to think of a commit as you are doing something to a code base not I did something and here it is and I did something and here it is reads as fixed bug um, and uh, and really you're bringing a change to a code base and so uh, I like more active things um, if it was short it would be fixes bug 812 uh, instead of fixed bug 812. And I know that is incredibly uh, picky and it doesn't really make a big difference. It's not going to save the world or, or make a change. But I again, I think that consistency just lowers the cognitive overhead of going through and reading a history. Um, and it makes it easy to, let's say that you are, you're gonna grep uh, through you're going to search through your git logs, right? Uh, and if you are consistent, you can always search for uh, fixes bug eight one two, right? You can search for eight one two. But if you've used if you have said that in many different ways over the last five years, it starts to get harder to search for things, right? If you have written that as uh, closes out bug eight one two, if you've you know, if you have, uh, if you're not using numbers and you have, uh, you're trying to just see the bugs that you have closed, 
uh, and you have used the word closed and the word fixes, now you have to, uh, if you just wanted to make a list of all the bugs that you fixed, uh, now you'd have to grep for both fixes and closed, right? Like, the consistency uh, starts to save you time. And ideally, it doesn't really take any more time to put into the system. Did I, did I explain that well at all? I feel like I wandered through that a little. No, I, th I think that makes sense. You actually made me kind of wish that Git had a, a, a tagging system somehow, you know? Well, <laughs> and, and I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Like, uh, but really with a little, uh, a little command line searching, um, your tagging is the vocabulary that you use mm -hmm. when you make the message, right? If you always use the word closes, all you got to do is search for all the, all the messages with the word closes. Um, and now you've got all the bugs that, that you fixed. Uh, you know, if you, start, uh, if you start each commit message with, with the word add, anytime you've, let's say, put in a, you know, a new module of some sort, right? Like you, you have a, a vocabulary for the project you're working on. Um, boy, it's real easy to go to go get all the, the, the commits where you added one. And let's say that, uh, that production, you know, is just on fire, right? And you quickly need to go see, oh my gosh, when did we add that thing, right? When, when did we add support for the new widget? Uh, well, there you go. There's no messing around with having to read 20 commit messages or, or 40 commit messages um, because you know that it's right there. Yeah. Um, and that the consistency has just uh, made life a little easier. That's a really good point. Um, while we still got some time left, though, I want to come back to rebasing. You guys were really big fans of that. Um, I go through, uh, I don't know, I go through periods where I rebase and I go through periods where I merge. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, what, what's, which one, are they, you know, interchangeable? Is it one more appropriate than the other? What are the benefits to one? You know, like why, why rebase over just merging in, you know, the, the develop branch? I think for me, I was, I was speaking a little differently. Um, I don't necessarily do rebasing a lot like a, so normally what, I guess what I meant by interactive rebasing is that normally I'm going to check out a feature branch. Um, you know, and I'm going to be working on a feature, you know, over the course of a day or a week or, you know, however long. And, and during that time while I'm building that feature, I'm going to be just kind of collecting a lot of commits. And during that time, of course, you know, the develop branch is going to be, you know, filling up with new commits as well. So usually what I'll do is that before I bring the develop branch back in, like let's say I'm done, I'm ready to merge into the develop branch. I'm going to do an interactive rebase on what I'm what I've been working on, and that'll let me squash all those commit messages and then and put it in one commit for that feature, and then I'll I'll take that and do a multi-line commit and just kind of go through and mark all the tasks and and you know in those multi-lines kind of explain everything that's going on um, during that. So then I have my feature all nice and wrapped up in one commit. Then I can either, then you can either do a merge from develop which will keep history in line. So it means like, um, I think rebasing usually puts you on your oldest commit. So whatever was newer would go on top on a merge. Um, you know, the history would stay in order. Whereas if you did an actual rebase into your feature branch, then it's, always, then it's going to change the history. So it's going to put, even if your 
even if your commit is older than what's in develop or the branch you're merging it or rebasing in, it will always be on top. It'll always be the last and applied last, which I think is a really great way. I know history gets all messed up, but it actually goes and applies all your changes and you kind of know that it, it worked well that way. So, but it's, I think that's a preference thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because, and I think you brought up a good point and that's that you are, you are changing history a little bit, right? You, you started, let's say you started on a branch a month ago and you make, you know, a series of five commits and now it's going to hang out for, for, unfortunately, it's going to hang out for a couple of weeks and uh, you pick it back up and you make another commit and now it's time to merge it. You've got six commits that have happened over the last month and you could certainly just, you know, make a pull request, merge them in. And now you've got kind of a mess on your hands because you've got these commits that have happened over a period of time that have been detached from the main branch or like you said, you can you can rebase them, you can uh, accumulate them together maybe a little bit, uh, and then <clears throat> rebase them on the current head. And so when you bring them in, you get a very nice linear view mm -hmm. that says these six commits, it makes it look like these six commits happened based on the head, right? And they're gonna come right in on top and it's gonna be, it's gonna look good. Um, now, it doesn't really tell an accurate historical story of how, like, of, of how those commits got made, but it's what you wanted, uh, the, it's what, it's how you wanted the code organized, right? It tells, it, I think it tells a story of your intent rather than your execution of it. Um, I, I, I use rebase in one other place. Um, it's probably the more controversial of the two because every now and then um, it all goes disastrously wrong. Um, I have a, a reference for uh, git up and it does uh, git fetch, auto stashes, and does a rebase. And so <clears throat> it's really there to prevent me from having to do merge commits if I'm working on a project with uh, working on the same branch with someone else, um, you know how like if if two different people are both making commits on the same day, mm -hmm. you end up with that goofy merge commit where you pull their work into yours, right? They've pushed it up to get GitHub, and now you're pulling it down, and you end up with that merge commit. What you can do is essentially uh, rebase to the head that they've just pushed. And so it will pull their commits, it'll stash the commits you've made essentially, pull their commits and then put your commits after them. And again, you're telling a very linear story again that makes it look like the work you did happened after the work they did. Um, but to me it really goes to putting together a, a cohesive, a cohesive uh, pull request later that's not all jumbled up with these mer merge commits everywhere. Merge, develop into develop. <laughs> like what? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this drives those drive me nuts. Yeah. Um and so uh yeah, and so that's really the the other place that I kind of sneakily use rebase occasionally is to just trim down on some of those. Again, 
it's it's changing history a little bit, but I think the clarity that it brings is is worth it. Greg, you're gonna have to like if you already if you don't already, you're gonna have to blog or or add a repo on GitHub or something where you can share some of these nice commands and functions that you have for us. I can actually the one of my very favorite Git config files. Uh, the uh, you've probably seen the I think it's Matthias Bynens. Um, he has a dot .files collection and some OS uh, uh, defaults that he uses, and it's actually a brilliant file. Um, if you want to just look at, at some, of the, some of the Git shortcuts that he has accumulated from, from authors, uh, we, can, we can share a, a, a link to it somewhere. But it's got, it's got some really fun stuff that makes you think about and see other people's ways of working with Git. Um, boy, and that's a whole nother podcast is talking about <laughs> building, building your workflow uh, for a team. Because I am convinced that uh, Mercurial is a source control system. And Git is a set of tools that you would use to build a source control system. And, <clears throat> and that, uh, that it really takes some communication on a team to say, all right, this is how we're going to use this thing. Um, because... Uh, it's up to you to decide um, how you how you want to organize things, um, but that's that's another podcast. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> other show right there. It's a series, <laughs> gentlemen. We're running out of time, but before we uh, before we close it out, um, I, I've, I've got a tab up here, a site that I wanted to share. If you guys haven't seen it, we'll add the link in the show notes as well. But um, it goes back to something Craig you said early on about your commit history you want to you know think of it like as if you are reading it um in an rss feed have you guys ever seen starlogs.net i haven't no no so you i don't think it works for uh it well in fact i know it doesn't it doesn't work for private repos but you can post um a, a url in there for github or your username and repo in there um and it actually will will go in and pull your uh, git commit history and it scrolls it and plays the uh, the theme song for star wars so it looks like the scrolling intro for a Star Wars movie. <laughs> That's fantastic. See, and that goes back to telling telling a cohesive story. There you go. <laughs> Probably one better than all of the recent Star Wars movies. <sighs> all right. Well, Craig, thank you very much for joining us and spending part of your afternoon or morning as it is for you um, with us. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was good thank chatting you, with you, Craig. Craig. I hope I hope to come back another day and, and talk about other things. Maybe we Anytime. can do something a little more controversial next time. <laughs> Anytime. Hey, this one was actually productive. It wasn't just uh, Matt and I bitching about stuff. I so. appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You've been listening to Code Talk with Matt and Steven. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you all again as soon as we can get another episode out. Uh, please feel free to check us out online. We're Twitter, and then we are at Code Talk Podcast. And we're online with codetalk.simplecast.fm. Thanks again. See you next time.